It's Essential Pittsburgh. I'm Paul Guggenheimer. As the Republican and Democratic National Conventions near, voters are trying to figure out who they'd like to see become the next president. But in a year where both candidates face high levels of scrutiny and have plenty of their own detractors, could a third-party candidate run and win? I'm joined now in studio by Edward Mina, Point Park University history professor, to talk about that possibility and how past third-party candidates have fared. Ed Mina, welcome to Essential Pittsburgh. Well, thank you, Paul. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure, and uh, our listeners can join this conversation by calling 412-246-2002. That's 412-246-2002. Email is ESSPGH at WESA.FM and on Twitter at ESSPGH. Again, the number, 412-246-2002. Are you considering a third-party candidate? Are you concerned about the choices that are out there? What would you like to see? What do you believe would be a viable alternative to either A or B, the presumptive Republican nominee, Donald Trump, and or the presumptive Democratic nominee, Hillary Clinton? 412-246-2002, the number to call. So, Ed, what is the climate like for a third-party candidate this year? Could we see a repeat of 2000 or 1992 where a Ralph Nader or a Ross Perot could play a a spoiler role tipping the scales between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton? I kind of doubt it. I think it's a little late in the game. Uh, The latest polls, Paul, that I saw last night, uh, Hillary 42, Trump 38, Libertarian 9, Green Party 7. I don't think they'd be able to gather momentum, the funding. Again, another issue would be could they get on a ballot in all 50 states? So if anybody was able to get on the ballot, the best you're hoping for really is a spoiler role? Yeah, maybe like Ralph Nader in Florida. Maybe that's the most— He hates when people say that, by the way. Yeah, I understand that. But when you look at the final numbers, 700 votes and his uh, participation— I don't really know. I think, uh, you know, I I haven't heard a lot of buzz about a third-party candidacy. Uh, Basically, you hear a little bit about a revolt at the convention in Cleveland. Maybe they're trying to muster up some support for a moral clause, conscience clause. You vote as a delegate that would for your squeeze conscience. out a lot of more an old-fashioned morality clause would squeeze out a lot of candidates wouldn't it oh absolutely it's uh you know it, it's amazing how many revelations come around dennis haster just had him on the, the news here 15 month sentence well and so it, forth. what what he was second in line to the presidency right and absolutely now he's he's going to jail uh so well so far on the radar, who do we have? There's there's the libertarian candidate, Gary Johnson, the former New Mexico governor, whom we we spoke with four years ago. So he was running four years ago. He's he's polled pretty well. Uh, so if he does get in, is he more likely to take votes for Trump, Clinton, or possibly even both? I think possibly even both. I think it's going to be a pretty good mixture. It's going to be a blender election. You don't really know where the people that didn't vote for Trump in the primaries are going to go. You don't know where the Bernie Sanders supporters are going to go. And if you look at Ohio, Pennsylvania, and Florida, they're right now a toss-up. I think it's just going to be how the campaign itself unfolds. What about Bernie Sanders himself? 
I mean, um, it, it's interesting because you're hearing Donald Trump today saying, uh, you know, hey, you Bernie Sanders supporters who, who are unhappy with Hillary, come over and vote for me. Uh, but, but is it is it has it been ruled out yet that Bernie Sanders is absolutely not going to run as a third party candidate? Why couldn't he jump in there now? Or even as an independent? I, I would think as an independent, a little bit more realistic than third party. I think he's identified as an independent his whole political career, even his classification as senator. To me, that would make a lot more sense as third party. And do you, you know, going back to what you were pointing out about Cleveland, uh, you know, is there the chance that if, let's say, delegates change their mind, is there somebody who could swoop in and take those delegates and, and create some sort of uh, insurrection in Cleveland next I month? I think so, because Trump won 37 state primaries, 13-plus million votes, the most any Republican has gathered in a primary season it would be really hard to take the nomination away from him. Well, and as we've talked about on this show in the past, the, the, the it's kind of sketchy with, with how committed those delegates are. The rules seem to indicate or, or allow uh, room for those people to change their minds. Um, so while unlikely, is it, you would know better than I, is it still at least possible? It may be possible, but I think it would take a very – uh, freakish set of circumstances for not only it to start, but to be successful. It's Essential Pittsburgh. I'm Paul Guggenheimer. Edward Mina is my guest. He's a Point Park University history professor. You can join the conversation at 412-246-2002. What do you think about third-party candidates? Should they have more of an opportunity to make a dent in the electorate? This year and in future years, 412-246-2002, is there a third-party candidate that you would support? Who is he or she? And uh, would you like to see perhaps someone like Bernie Sanders run as an independent? Again, the number, 412-246-2002. Here in Pennsylvania, a circuit court ruled that the petitioning process for third parties was unconstitutional. Can you explain the issues here? Well, it's... uh... A lot of a lot of restrictions placed upon the candidate uh, in terms of time to gather a certain number of signatures, and also they have to show some previous success in previous elections before they can move forward in the nominating process. So, is that the is that the established parties just making it difficult for somebody to uh, to to uh, encroach on their territory? Yes, absolutely. That's uh, that's the whole argument in a nutshell. I mean, you hit it right on the head there, Paul. That's exactly right. All right. Now, history is your game. So the last third party to attain major party status was the Republicans pre-Civil War. Uh, why has it been so difficult for third parties to establish them- themselves in the American political landscape? In that particular instance, when Abraham Lincoln uh, received the Republican presidential nomination on the third ballot, by the way, there was the major issue of slavery expansion. And the Republican Party from even the previous 1856, when John Fremont ran on the Republican banner, 
They stood for no more expansion of slavery. He spoke out against the Kansas-Nebraska Acts and, and so forth. And at that point, that whole issue coming out of the Lincoln-Douglas debates in 1858, where they had um, a series of seven debates in seven cities in Illinois, even though Douglas would win the state legislature approval for Senate, uh, Lincoln established the foundation that he was the anti-slavery expansion candidate, even though he didn't um, give notice to the South that they could count on him changing his mind. And, you know, what's interesting, Paul, about that whole scenario is that the Republican Party had their first national convention in Pittsburgh in 1856 in an old building on Wood Street called Lafayette Hall. Now, Lincoln was supposed to attend the convention, but he didn't make it. And uh, that was in uh, February of, of uh, 1856, and they had the meeting right there which is now the YWCA and the Asian food place. So Pittsburgh is connected to the third-party uh, history, the third-party candidacy, as you just mentioned. And Lincoln would win 39% of the vote, but his electoral vote, 180, you needed uh, 149. And then Stephen Douglas, who ran um, against him, obviously, he got 1.3 million, but he only got 12 electoral votes. So it was interesting. 412-246-2002 to join our conversation with Point Park University history professor Edward Mina. Let's go to Carlana in Pittsburgh. Hi, Carlana. You're on the air. Hi. Hi. Uh, well, I wanted to make the comment first that uh, Americans for many generations have not been taught or educated on uh, how democracy works and how to participate in a democracy. So what we're doing with, whether it's left or right, we're dealing with the majority of citizens who don't have a foggy idea about how the political system works and how to participate in it. In the case of uh, the uh, conservative Republicans, they have billionaires who put hundreds of millions of dollars into groups who they can take advantage of their ignorance. In the case of the Tea Party people, as soon as the Tea Party uh, uh, sprung up with a few individuals, uh, the uh, Koch brothers and a bunch of other uh, billionaires put money into organizations to support them, to, um, to pay for their expenses, and, and really they created the, the Tea Party with, with uh, paying all the bills. So the what, you're saying, what you're saying is, Carlana, is that people aren't following the money. Money has a huge uh, influence on politics, and uh, people don't necessarily aren't paying attention right and the people on the uh, uh, the progressives um they don't have sugar daddies who come and pay their expenses and and help get them pay their organizers and help get in get them organized so Carolina, what we have in the case of bernie sanders was an actual uh genuine groundswell uh, he he was very unknown by the majority of people but he he brought up a few issues, and the people actually uh, flocked to him. And we had these huge, um, huge numbers of people show up. Uh, right, uh, uh, to the well, convention center myself. Well, uh, and, uh, let me jump in, Carlana, because we're, we're, we're we don't want to run out of time here uh, to address your concerns. Uh, there are those like you who feel that uh, yes, uh, Hillary Clinton is 
uh, the Wall Street candidate. Uh, that's certainly something that uh, the candidate, uh, Mr. Sanders, uh, Senator Sanders, has said uh, repeatedly. There are those that would argue with you that uh, it is the Tea Party alone that is uh, that is backed by big political dollars. Uh, and, and you are an educator, uh, Edward Mina, so uh, you might be taking a particular issue with Carlana saying that uh, that we're not educating people. What are, what are your feelings about that? I remember they used to teach a class at uh, high school civics. They should bring that back. I think she's absolutely right. And also, it could start not necessarily with presidential elections. I think it start of, with some local elections, local issues, certainly school board issues. But she's correct. Uh, you know, the Tea Party came out in 2009 after Rand Paul's unsuccessful run in 2008. And by the way, he only got 0.03% of the popular vote in 2008. Joshua, in an email, writes, Governor Johnson and running mate Bill Weld will be on the ballot in all 50 states this year. The key will be to get Governor Johnson into the polls and therefore into the presidential debates. Uh, your thoughts? That's the key thing. He's got to get into the debates. That is up to the national media. And, and I predict that if he does get into the debates, they do have a formidable team that they can get into double figures in the popular vote. Let's go to uh, Edith in Highland Park at 412-246-2002. Hi, Edith. Hi. Um, my question is, how can we change the electoral system, our election system, so that we can vote for first choice, second choice, so that those of us who really don't want to vote for Donald Trump nor Hillary Clinton could vote for Bernie Sanders or a third party, whoever, like it was uh, Ralph Nader, uh, without throwing our vote away. Um, interesting question, Edith. What about it, uh, Edward? I, that, I think that would take a Herculean <laughs> effort uh, from a lot of different uh, parties and I don't know if you have the sentiment to do that. It kind of reminds me of the talk about reducing the size of the Pennsylvania state legislature. Uh, a lot of talk. Nothing seems to get done towards that goal. Thank you for that call, Edith. Uh, going back to the Pennsylvania point uh, earlier, we mentioned about the petitioning process for third parties, uh, the court ruling that it was unconstitutional. So we explain why that why the difficulty was put in place, why third-party candidates were required to get so many more signatures than uh, than Democrats or Republicans. So what does that ruling clear the way for? Can we, if not this year, can we see more third-party candidates on the ballot in the future, and not only here in Pennsylvania, but uh, could similar rulings across the country open things up for a third party to do what the Republicans did, as you just explained, 150 years ago? Yeah, I think you will. I, I think people such as the caller you just had about the uh, Libertarian slate, will start to get uh, active. I think if one of the legacies of Bernie Sanders running for president, energizing a lot of people that maybe had not participated in the process before, they would have an opportunity to get involved in situations and issues like that to make it easier, not only presidential, but also local, county, and statewide. 
Would a third party help an increasingly polarized and gridlocked Congress move forward, or would it make it even more difficult for politicians to form the majorities needed to pass legislation? And I realize that's kind of a leap of faith there, uh, ho- you know, hoping that a third party candidate wins. But a lot of people would like to see that if it did happen. H- how would that affect that whole dynamic? I, I think the Congress is sort of in a free fall when you look at the approval rate of it across the country is pretty dismal. I don't really see it moving out of that anytime soon. But at the same time, I think what you just saw with Governor Wolf in Pennsylvania, he's moved away from increasing income and sales tax and has moved towards the Republican majority. That's the kind of movement that you have to have, which we've seen in the past with Reagan and Tim O'Neill and and so forth. You've got to move to the center if you want to get anything done. And I think one of the things that's going to happen in the next few years is the influence of the Tea Party is going to continue to fade away because they haven't really shown any major accomplishments in terms of uh, their agenda, their political agenda being accomplished. Edward Mina is a Point Park University history professor. We've been talking about third-party candidates who may or may not run, and what is the future of that uh, in the whole scheme of the political landscape in Pennsylvania and throughout the United States. Edward Mina, it's been a fascinating conversation. Thanks so much for stopping by our studios. Thank you, Paul. Coming up, a conversation with Bill Maher. He's coming to Pittsburgh next month. It's Essential Pittsburgh on 90.5 WESA. 